church, we're in the middle of a series on the book of James. If you, if you have your Bible, you should take it and turn to James chapter 2 right now. That's where we'll be studying today. And if you didn't bring a Bible, our ushers every week come down the aisles and pass out Bibles. If you forgot one, if you didn't know you needed one, if you don't have one, they'll give you one. You don't have to have a Bible, but if you want one, we'd love to put one in your hands. And if, if you don't have a Bible, it's yours to keep. Keep it. We're glad you have it. James chapter 2 is where we are today. And that video is, is kind of a summary of what we've been trying to say in this series on the book of James that we've titled Rethink Church. And and in a nutshell, the thought of that video is the thought to this series is the thought to this book. It's the thought that being a Christian means more than just going to church. If you were to survey the world today and ask them what it means to be a Christian, I think that would be one of the first answers because that's that's one of the only Christian things that people do is, is we go to church. Yet the Bible says, specifically James, that there's so much more to being a Christian than just going to church. You know, when I was younger, I went to a church that, uh, that had a lot of rules of things that you, you should and should not do. Perhaps you grew up in a church similar to that. You know, you, you, uh, you really, if you love God, you weren't supposed to see rated R movies. Um, if, uh, if you love God, you weren't supposed to dance. If you love God, you weren't supposed to do X, Y, Z. And one of those things that if you really love God, you weren't supposed to do was, was play cards. So, of course, one of the things that I did as a teenager and a, and a college kid is I played cards a lot because as a, as a teenager and as a college kid, uh, and the, the college, this is true of the 18 to 25-year-old crowd in here, you're either all in spiritually or you're in totally rebel, total rebellion spiritually. College kids are not hypocrites. They're not complacent. They're either going to go with God or they're not, and they'll let you know one way or another. And in my first few college years, I was kind of in the not Phase. And one of the things that I did that was taboo in the church that I grew up in was, was play cards. And, and all kind of cards. Do, do any of you play cards? You, it's, it's not a sin here. I mean, you, you can write. Do any of you play, play cards? I mean, we played poker. We played a, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying you should begin to gamble. I, I never played with money. I was just a kid. I didn't have any money. Um, but uh, played a little game called Euchre. If any of you, you heard Euchre, it's kind of like spades. Any of you played spades or hearts or solitaire when... Uh, when you're by yourself, you remember the game War that you, you know, you might play on a bus ride where, you know, you're just flipping cards. And, and one, of, one of my favorite card games that I played sitting around was a game that I can't say the name of uh, because it, it, the, the name of the game is, is a bad name. It's synonymous, um, it's synonymous with cow poop. Uh, have, any of you, have any of you ever played that game? It's okay. I'm glad I'm not the only person that was, uh, you know, away from God at one time in my life. And the thought of this game, for those of you who have never played cow poop, and, and really you don't, don't need to play that. You could call it a different word if you wanted. Maybe you played the game by a different name. But the thought was you deal all 52 to whoever's there, and then you have to stack the cards in order from two through the ace, and no one can see the cards. And the dealer will just take two cards or three cards or four cards and lay them down, and they'll say two twos. They'll go to the next person, and they'll say one three. Go to the next person, they'll say three fours. And they'll go to the next person and say, I've got two fives. And you're laying them down. But the truth is, you don't have to lay down those cards. You can be lying. And when it gets to your turn, it's just how good of a poker face do you have. And if anyone wants to challenge what you've laid down, you know, hey, you know, four sixes, someone would say, cow poop. They wouldn't say that, but they would say a word that you're not supposed to say in church. They were literally saying this. They were saying, wait a minute, prove it, prove it. And you'd have to pick up those cards. And if you didn't lay down four sixes, you had to take all the cards in the deck and take them to you. If you did lay down four sixes and the person who called you out was wrong, they had to take all the cards in their deck. It's an extremely fun game 
that we should retitle Prove It and play it in our house with our kids. Because it's, it's a lot of fun to try to find out who's a liar and who's not and who's good at it and who's not. Because you have to lie a little bit to play the game. But the church of today has, has laid down some statements like this. We love Jesus. We care about people. We care about hurting people. We believe in doing the right thing. And I think the world at large has stopped and said, prove it. Prove it. You say you believe all this stuff spiritually, but prove it. And that's where we pick up in James chapter 2 today. This is not just our world today. James, if you remember, is the half-brother of Jesus. He's writing his book. This is the very first book of the New Testament that was ever written. And already the world is beginning to look at people who call themselves Christians and they're saying, prove it. If you're really a Christian, prove it. And that's the whole thought of James chapter 2 today. James says, if you're really a Christian, prove it. James chapter 2, we'll start in verse 14. We'll go through verse 26. I'm in the New International Version. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen behind me. If you do, feel free to write your Bible, mark in your Bible. We'll kind of flip around today. If we gave you one, feel free to write in it and keep it or give it back. We're cool as long as you don't write any words like cow poop in it. That would confuse somebody who, who later picked it up. James 2, starting in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers? If a man claims to have faith, but he has no deeds, can that type of faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clues and da- clothes and daily food. If any one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed. But he does nothing about his physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, well, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me. Like James is from Missouri, right? Show me. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. You believe there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says... Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. James says a big, fat, prove it to us in James chapter 2. You say you're a Christian... Prove it. And how do we do that? I want to show you as we study through James chapter 2, three things that I think will help us all understand exactly what James is, is trying to teach us today. And here's, let, let, me, let me throw this at you before we start too. Because it's, it's real simple. All of us right now are thinking of someone in our life who says they're a Christian, but, but we don't know if they are and we're wanting them to prove it. James here is talking about yourself. James says that everyone needs to be able to prove to themselves. That, that they're a Christian. So this is not about you trying to figure out whether or not somebody else you know is a Christian. This is James saying, look at your own life. If you call yourself a Christian, can you prove that to yourself? Do you even believe it? You have anything in your life that says you're a Christian or did you just make that up? So this today is, it's about us, not, not other people. This is not for the hypocrite that we know who's sitting at home. Next week we talk about James 3 where James talks about hypocrisy. That's next week. Today's about us. Can you prove to yourself Does your life really back up your words that you're a Christian? To understand where James is coming from, you have to understand a few things about this text. First and foremost is the backdrop. 
You have to understand where James is coming from. And if you have your little sermon notes and your little pen, you can fill on the blank on that. And you, and you may want to begin even taking a few extra notes here on the backdrop. Remember, James is not Jesus. James is Jesus' brother. But as we studied a few weeks ago, as we began to look at James' life, James, while Jesus was alive, James didn't believe his brother was God. He wasn't buying his religion. He wasn't buying his message. He didn't care much really about who Jesus was. Only after Jesus was crucified, buried, and raised again, and he saw him alive again, did he believe Jesus was who he says he was. But the book of James has more allusions and illustrations and analogies from the Sermon on the Mount than any other New Testament book, which means that James, even though James wasn't a committed follower of Jesus, he must have hung around Jesus, he must have heard this sermon, and he must have listened carefully as Jesus taught, because I believe that James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26, comes from Matthew chapter 7, which is the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 22, if you have your Bible, you can turn there. It's a tremendous text that you might actually want to have underlined in your Bible. Matthew chapter 7. 15 through 22, Jesus is teaching to a group of his followers. These are people who with their mouth say, I love Jesus. This is people who go to church on Sunday. These are people who uh, maybe they went to vacation Bible school. I mean, these are are religious people. But as we look at the backdrop of Jesus' teaching, we find something very, very interesting here. Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 22. Again, if you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screen behind you. Jesus said this to these people who they all went to church and considered themselves Christians. He said, you need to watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. He said they're different on the inside than they are on the outside. By their fruit, you'll recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn brushes or figs from thistles? James repeats that almost word for word next week in James chapter 3. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. Good tree can't bear bad, bad tree can't bear good. Verse 19, every tree that doesn't bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you'll recognize it. Verse 21, here's the interesting things. Verse 21 and 22. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many, if you have your Bible, circle that word many in verse 22 or whatever word your verse says in your translation. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. Did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Verse 23, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now, PowerPoint folks, I'm going to skip ahead one screen and come back to the verse. But here's what Jesus is saying that James picked up this day. Here's the fact of what Jesus is saying. Not everyone who calls themselves a Christian is really a Christian. And James says some of them don't even know it. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus said at the end times, there's going to be a lot of people who come up to me and say, wait a minute, Jesus. We thought we were Christians. We like we went to church. We did Christian things. And Jesus said, no, you're not. Your deeds were not Christians. You were not able to prove your Christian life. Your words said that you were a Christian, but your life did not. Jesus said, not everyone who calls themselves a Christian is really a Christian. And here here we have James on the outskirts of this listening, thinking, whoa, that's crazy. You mean not everyone who says that they're a Christian, not everyone who thinks that they're a Christian is really a Christian? Well, that's what Jesus' teaching says. Jesus said, you can say whatever you want to say with your mouth, but your life, your life will prove whether or not you really are who, who you say you are. So the backdrop is Jesus' teaching. The, 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 the backdrop we also see, though, is Jewish culture. 
And that's PowerPoint where I think I, I threw you guys off a little bit. This is one of Jesus' main beefs that he had in his New Testament ministry, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is this Jewish culture. And, and I want to be honest with you. I think America today, or maybe America 10 years ago, America from 1975 to 2000, I think America that we grew up in was the same as the Jewish culture of the New Testament in, in this fact, that we just considered ourselves a Christian nation. We, we were religious people. Nobody really followed God, loved God, but we considered ourselves a religious nation. All the people who will complain about the name under God being taken out of the pledge, right, because we're a Christian nation, don't know that when the original pledge was written, those two words were not even in there. Those words were inserted decades later when America became a Christian nation. And here, you know, the founders would roll over in their graves if they knew we took those words out of pledge. Those weren't even in the real pledge. But we're a Christian nation. Israel was a Jewish nation. And no, I don't want to see the words under God taken out of the pledge. So don't, don't go there. I'm just saying their, their culture was religious, but they were not followers of Jesus. And Jesus blasted this culture of, well, like everyone around me is religious, but, but I don't really love Jesus. In Matthew 15, 8, here's what Jesus said about growing up in a religious culture, but not really having actions of your own. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They talk a lot about religious stuff, but in their hearts, they don't love me. Matthew 23, 27, he said, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. These are the religious leaders of the day. He said, you're hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs. You look beautiful on the outside. But on the inside, you're full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. He said, you appear very religious. You seeing God bless America at the, in the middle of the seventh inning at your American League and National League division series. But you don't really care if God blesses America. You don't love God. You don't care about God. You say a lot of spiritual things. But you're not Christian people. Mark chapter 7, verses 8 and 9, I love what Jesus says here. He said, you let go of the commands of God, and you're holding on to human traditions. And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. What are some of our own traditions? Like I mentioned, don't play cards, don't dance, don't do this, don't do this. The list of rules that we have in American Christianity, which makes you love God versus not love God. And I keep all the rules but at the end of the day, I have no faith, no actions to prove that I really love God. Just a list of things I don't do. You see, the backdrop of this is James hearing that not everyone who calls himself a Christian is really a Christian. And James, I think, being an honest seeker, wants to know this. Well, how do I know? If not everyone who calls himself a Christian is really a Christian, how do I know if I'm a Christian? It's interesting. The Apostle John wrote a book on this exact topic the book of first john when we read the gospels matthew mark luke and john john who was a disciple wrote the book of john but then years later he wrote the book of first john for this specific reason he said i've written these things so that you who have believed may know that you have true faith the entire book is is talking to christians who want to know am i really a christian or am i not how do, how do i know for sure so this question was in the early church how do i know for sure if i'm really a christian and james says one great way to prove it is to have actions that back it up. Not everyone who calls themselves really a Christian. James says, well, how do I know if I am? And he says, ah, I know how to tell if I am, if, if my life can prove it. So we see the backdrop first and foremost, but then we see the barometer. 
The barometer, barometer is, is, is a word you might hear Katie Horner say on the, uh, like when she go, does the weather. But the barometer, the, the word barometer equals standard in the English language. We've actually shortened it in, in this way when, if you've watched the, the Olympics and you see a gymnast, I mean, do an unbelievably great routine or you watch a swimmer set a world record or you watch somebody do something really good, you'll hear the announcer say, boy, they set the, they set the bar with that. They, it's a shortened form of barometer. They set the standard. Setting the bar just means that's, that's the standard you can judge by. So James says, how do I know if I'm really a Christian? And James says, I'll, I'll set the standard. I'll set a barometer. I'll set the bar of how I can know for myself. You may have a different way, but how I can know for myself that I'm really a Christian. And he has a question and answer time with himself. In James 2.14, he asks this question. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save him? Here's the question. If you say you're a Christian... But you don't have any Christian actions in your life. Are you really a Christian? That's a great question. It's not, James, it's not my question. It's James' question. Here's a question. If someone says they have faith, but their life doesn't prove it, do they really have faith? And then in verse 26, after he rants and raves for a little bit, in verse 26 he answers his own question and he says, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. He answers, if someone says that they're a Christian... But they don't do anything in their life to prove it. Are they really a Christian? In verse 26, he says, no. No, they're probably not. It would be like if I got up on the stage today and said, you know, you all didn't know this, but, you know, I'm actually a professional basketball player. And the only reason I started church is because we're in an NBA lockout right now. And after this lockout, you know, I'm going to go compete. And uh, they're thinking I might take Kobe Bryant's spot or LeBron James' spot on the, uh, on the uh, Miami Heat. You would say, you're out of your mind. You can't back that up. I could talk about it all day long, but I've got no proof to give you that I really am who I just said I was. And a lot of people are the same way spiritually. They have all this talk about God, but nothing in their life makes you believe that that maybe they're telling the truth. Question, can you have faith without actions? Answer, no. The standard, James says, is this. You can't prove your faith without actions. But again, we have to understand James is not looking at a crowd of people. He's looking in a mirror. I'm not judging you with today's message. And really, I'll try to never do that. When when I get up here to to lead a Bible study, I'll try to never speak at you and and tell you what you need to do or, or don't need to do. I'll just tell you what the Bible says and I'll let you make up your own mind. But James is looking in a mirror. And here's the question. James says, how can I know if I'm really a Christian? And he looks in the mirror And says, I am doing things that the Bible says a Christian should do. For me, that's proof. And he even says, James says, you ask me, prove your faith. And he said, I'll prove it with my actions. And I'll ask you, prove your faith. And you'll say, I don't need to prove my faith, I just believe. And he said, we'll both just have to go off that. But I can know from the bottom of my heart that I am where I need to be. Because my actions, my actions prove that I am who I say I am. So we have this backdrop of Jesus saying not everyone who says they're a Christian is really a Christian. And remember, in Matthew chapter 7, the people asking the questions, the disciples weren't judging others. These were people who said, hey, Jesus, like, when do we get to come into heaven? Fist bump, high five, you know, man hug. And he's like, you don't. So what? This was not, these were people that were confused. But I, but I thought, I thought, 
Like someone told me one time, if I said a prayer, like, I, like, like I'd get in here. Where's, where's that ticket? That, that I, the prayer wasn't enough? And Jesus said, your actions prove that you didn't mean your prayer. But somebody told me one time, if I got baptized, remember I got baptized, I got a picture of that on my mantle. If I got baptized, that I would... You say, your, your, baptiz- your actions prove that you didn't mean it. But Jesus, I went to church. I mean, these people in Matthew 7 had actions. We drove out demons in your name. We, like, we, we did things. And Jesus said, your heart was never with me. You were religious, yes. But you and I never had a relationship. And James says, I want to make sure I'm not one of those types of people. So he gives us a backdrop. He gives us a barometer. But then number three, he gives us a bottom line. And here's really the meat of today's Bible study. What is it for James? So James says, and here's the logical question for those of you listening today. For those who are later going to listen, they're going to go on and listen to our podcast. I know a lot of you, if, if you miss a Sunday of church, and we all do because of bus- busyness, you can go to our website, you can podcast or download the message and listen to it. A lot of people have started doing that. But the next question will be, I mean, the first question is, okay, not everyone who says they're a Christian is a Christian. Got it. That's what Jesus said. James says the only way to really know for sure is to have actions that prove your faith. Got it. My next logical question would be, which actions? Like, like, so how do I know? What are the Do I go to church? Like, do I give enough in the offering? Do I take a mission trip? What, what do I need to know? How, how do I need to know if I've cleared the bar or if I've not cleared the bar? And that's what James tells us really in the rest of his book. James, throughout his books, throws in things that, that true Christians will do. Starting in James chapter 1. If you have your Bible, go to James chapter 1. And we'll look at verses 22 through 25. James is just sliding these things in. And, and he all the time talks about true religion versus false religion. This is not really having a... Re- this is just religious stuff. This is real Christianity. In James 1, 22 through 25, he, he gives us something, an, an action point that real Christians can do. And he says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror... And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man, verse 25, it's the key here. You should underline it if you have your Bible. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. So James says, here's, here's one notch on your belt. Here's one action that can let you know if you're, if you're really following Jesus the right way. You've got to read God's Word. You've got to read God's Word. Because if you... He said a lot of people will listen to God's Word and not do what it says. And they prove that they don't really care. But he said the person who begins to read God's Word so they can know who God is and then they try to do what God's Word says, he said that's, that's, a, that's a pretty good mark that you're headed in the right direction. Now, can I be a Christian and not read my Bible every day? Sure. But if, if you're looking for something to prove to yourself... Yeah, I think I'm a Christian. I, I did say a prayer one time. But, you know, I really want to drill down spiritually. I want to become more than someone who just goes to church on Sunday. A good place to start, according to James, is to read your Bible. And then James says, and try to do what it says. It's a, it's a pretty simple thought. You know, I am a, um, I'm kind of a holiday nut. I, I live my life from one to the next. And you may or may not know this, but today we're 23 days from Halloween. 
And no, I don't love the devil, but yes, I love candy. So yes, I celebrate Halloween. I get that question all the time. Do you, you know, you don't celebrate Halloween, do you? You're a Christian. I say, yes, I go ask for candy. Do I worship Satan? No, but the Snickers, maybe. I mean, we're, you know, we're going to go door to door, okay? Yes, my kid is going to dress up. Not like the devil, but like something. That, that's going to happen. So 23 days to Halloween. 47 days to Thanksgiving. I also don't worship pilgrims, but I, I like to eat turkey and watch football on Thanksgiving. I, you know, I'm, I'm cool with that. So 47 days to Thanksgiving, 78 days till Christmas. It's kind of hard to believe. And um, only 84 days till the end of the year. Less than 90 days to 2012. Now, I was told when I graduated high school in 1996 that by 2012 we'd be driving like flying cars and, you know, all that stuff. I mean, 2012 we could live on the moon if, if we wanted to. We're not there yet. But another year will come and go. So we are at the beginning of the year. I've been talking with Pastor Ryan Holt, who's our pastor of spiritual growth. And one of the things we're planning for the new year is a Bible reading challenge in 2012. That you can sign up to, uh, to, to get on a program to read through the entire Bible, Genesis to Revelation, in a year. If you'll read your Bible 12 minutes a day, only 12 minutes a day, there, there are 12 minutes of commercials within an episode of your favorite television show. Not that that's a good way to study the Bible, but if you just did that, um, you'd read your Bible through Genesis to Revelation, every word of Scripture in a year. So we're going to do that in a year, but as I started putting this together, you know, God said, you know, I felt like God spoke to me and said, Christian, you can't tell people to read their Bible and then say start three months from now. So I thought, okay, there's 84 days left in a year. So I thought, what's 84 good chapters of the Bible for people to read who, who want to walk out of here and begin to, to take the next step in, in their spiritual journey? And here's what I came up with. I think I put it on your sermon notes. The book of Matthew has 28 chapters. It's the first book of the Bible. It takes you from before Jesus is born. So it's a good place to start because it runs you through the whole Christmas story. Before Jesus is born, all the way up till Jesus is crucified, buried, risen again, ascends. Matthew is a, a good book, 28 books. The book of Acts is also 28 chapters. The book of Acts starts with Jesus raising from the dead, going up to heaven, and then tells the whole story of the church. I mean, really, if you read Matthew and Acts, you've read... 90% of the content that's in the New Testament. The rest of it only breaks it down a little more. Um, And then to throw in an Old Testament book, the book of Proverbs is 31 chapters. And I've I've always heard someone say, hey, take a 31-day month like December is, and if you read one proverb a day, you'll be done in a month. So those three books together, I'm not tremendous at math. I should have written it on here so I didn't have to edit up in front of you, but 56... Carry the one. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. You don't have to carry. What is that? Like 87? Is that 87? So if you want to be an overachiever, you can read three extra chapters of Scripture. But my challenge to you is to start today and read one day of Scripture or one chapter of Scripture a day for the rest of the year. Now, here's why I put one chapter, because you're going to miss a week. And if you miss a week, you'll only be behind seven days. You can read seven chapters of Scripture in 15 minutes. If I tried to get you to read three or four and you missed a week, you'd be like, man, I'm a book behind. I don't have all day. So just one chapter a day, average, through the end of the year. If you don't want to do that, if maybe you're totally brand new to church, a couple of the things that, uh, that we give out at our Welcome Center, one of the things that we have, we've given away over 100 of them, is this one-minute Bible, for starters. And this literally is one verse a day. And then a 60-second little commentary on that verse. Um, and this is a 90-day journey for people who want to re- kickstart their, their life. So maybe for you it's not a chapter a day. Maybe for you it's a verse a day. If it is, pick this up at our Welcome Center. We have these free for people. We also have Bibles free for people. This is not for you to buy. 
This is for you to grow. But I, I want to challenge you today because James says, listen, if you really want to prove to yourself you, you're following God, read his word. A lot of people listen to it. Read it. That'll take you the next step spiritually. So I challenge you, read Matthew, Acts, and Proverbs. I challenge you, get a, get a, a, 90, a, a 90 day little Bible and do a minute a day. I pro, if you do that, you'll ring in the new year this year and you'll feel better about yourself spiritually. I don't know that you'll be a better Christian. I don't even know what that means. But I know you'll feel closer to God. I promise you that. So that, that's my challenge for you. But James has other things. And, and these next two, I, um, I hope, uh, let me say it this way. They really convicted me this week. As I started reading through the, the next two and studying them this week, I thought, ugh, I got, a, I got a little ways to go spiritually. In James chapter 2, verse 12, here's what James says. These, these two are much more difficult to keep spiritually. It's a lot easier to read a chapter of the Bible a day than, than to really do these next two. James says in James 2:12, Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. James says this, two things. So we said one was, you know, the bottom line, I need to read God's word. What's another bottom line? James says, speak like a Christian. They say, what does that mean? I I don't know what that, I don't know everything that that means, but, but I know this. I know when I say things that don't make me sound like a Christian. And I'm not going to give you a list of don't say this, don't say this. Because if you're a Christian, you'll say something and you'll think in your head, that really doesn't sound like Jesus. We, we said a few weeks ago that anger never makes you look like Jesus. There are some things in your vocabulary that never make you sound like Jesus. And a lot of people who go to church and claim to love God, they don't speak like Christians. Now, the Bible gives three errors. I want you to catch all these three errors because there's a lot of wives that are like nudging your husband saying, yeah, I told you to quit cussing. And it's, it's not that. It's more than that. It's a lot more than that. The Bible first starts with kindness. So the Christian speech should be known for kindness. Colossians 4.6 says, Let your conversation always be full of grace. Grace is a word that just means unmerited, unsolicited, undeserved kindness. A waitress dumps your lunch in your lap. A speech with grace would be kind and forgiving to her. You know, there are a lot of Christians who don't speak kindly. They're just not friendly people. You, you know them, and I know them. And this is one thing that God's really been working on me about. You know, not, not having foul language, but just not being kind enough, not being friendly enough. When I get really busy, when I get really zoned in, Daniel will tell me, you're re- you know, you're really short with that person, you're really quick with that person. You know, the, the, I have so far to go. The Lord has given me the Holy Spirit and a wife to tell me everything that I do wrong so that I can get where I need to be spiritually. And she's often telling me, you know, you shouldn't have done that. You weren't very nice to the kids then. You know, you weren't, you weren't very nice to me. And I think, Lord, you know, James says I need to speak like a Christian. I need to be kinder. I need to be gentler. I need to be softer. I need to be more encouraging in my speech. I have to work on that. The Bible also says that Christian speech... Is clean. Now, you know, I, I, again, I'm not going to go into a list of words that should or should not be said. Probably the card game, probably shouldn't say that one. We should probably all repent for thinking of it and me doubly because I'm the one who brought it up in the first place, right? I mean, that, that's probably not a clean one that, that makes you sound like a Christian. But in Ephesians 5 4, here's what Paul said He says, There shouldn't be any obscenity, 
foolish talk or coarse joking which are out of place. I told you, I know the world's best jokes, but they're all, they're all really bad. And, and I, I can't tell most of them because they don't make me sound like a Christian. I learned them all in my rebellious days. And I'll start to tell them now and God will say, don't do that. I'll say, you're right, God. You know, there are a lot of Christian men, listen to me, that don't talk like Christian men. You know, we said the other day, anger never makes you look like Jesus. We said that being rude a couple minutes ago never makes you look like Jesus. We said having unclean speech never makes you look like Jesus. Guess what? Some of you in here that are angry and rude and you, and you don't use clean language, guess what? You don't look like Jesus. Nobody even knows you're a Christian. Based on your speech, based on your acts, there are some people when you tell them they go to church, they're as surprised as if they heard that the person who invented Halloween goes to church, right? It's like, wow, you go to church? That's really interesting. Does your church talk to you about how you talk to people? Because you need to work on that a little bit. James says, speak like a Christian. Christians, according to Colossians 4, 6, should speak kindly to one another. Christians, according to Ephesians 5, 4, should have clean speech, whatever that means. And it can mean a lot. Christians, according to 2 Timothy 2, 16, should have speech that's filled with character. Speech that's filled with character. And I want you to listen closely to these next two verses because I want to be honest with you. There are some things that bother me in speech much more than someone dropping the F-bomb around me or even someone taking the Lord's name in vain. I mean, personally for me, they bother me more than those two things. And yes, I would put those on the list of things that probably a Christian shouldn't say. 2 Timothy 2, 16 and 17. Paul told Timothy, avoid godless chatter. The, The... The English word for that that we know best is gossip. Avoid godless chatter. Because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Do you you see that? Are you reading that? Is that on the screen? I wish I could underline that. Where, Where is it? More and more ungodly. The more I gossip, the less I look like Jesus. You need to get that. Their teaching then spreads like gangrene. Gangrene was 2,000 years ago what we would call cancer. Gossip is a cancer. You know, I heard it say Christians don't gossip, they just share prayer requests. Listen, if your prayer request is talking about somebody else behind their back, not saying to, to them what you would say to somebody else, you're gossiping about them. Man, we have some people, the world is filled with people, let me say that, that their mouths just don't stop. And they're not saying unkind things really and they're not saying unclean things they just have no character to their language because they're just ripping people to shreds up one side down the other all the time and i hear that man that 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 grates on my soul more than than hearing someone cut you know after playing college football and going to public school you know i have to strain to even recognize cuss words because you know this is just part of life that doesn't phase me a whole lot but gossip when someone just gets to me and starts just drilling down about somebody i struggle with that And even more, I think I struggle with Philippians 2, verses 14 and 15. We talk about having speech filled with character. Look at what we see here. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Keep that verse up for a minute. There's another translation that says, do everything without complaining. Ah, Lord. 
You know what, you know what, what Paul is saying here in Philippians? He, he said, if you live your life without complaining all the time, you're going to be like a star in the sky. What does that mean? You're going to stand out. People will notice you. Why? Because everyone complains about everything. And James says, if you're a Christian who will just quit complaining about everything, it's too hot, it's too cold, the food wasn't good, I weigh too much, she weighs too much, he weighs too much, the music's too loud, the music's too fast, I didn't like that song, blah, 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 blah. It's like someone sticking a knife in my eye when I get around somebody who just complains. It's like Charlie Brown. They turn into Charlie Brown's teachers. You guys know Charlie Brown's teachers? Like, wah, 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 wah. You know, it's like, please go live on another planet with other people who are perfect because you'll never be happy. Now, this isn't me. This is the Bible. This is Jesus saying that this is how Christians talk. Christians shouldn't complain and argue ever, according to Philippians 2. Stop it. You don't sound like a Christian when you're complaining about everything. I hate my boss. I'll pray for him. Quit. Go get another job. I hate my employees. Go start another business. I mean, do everything without grumbling or arguing. I struggle with this. Struggle with this all the time. Actually, I struggle with all these. But because I know them, I'm trying to get better at them. And, you know, maybe you walked in today and you heard us talking about Christians proving it and you thought about your brother-in-law or your sister-in-law or your mother-in-law or your neighbor or your old best friend or your ex-husband or your ex-wife and how you're looking at them and you think, you know, by, based on their actions, I don't even know that they're a Christian. You weren't even thinking about yourself and now we're here and you're thinking, uh-oh, you're stepping on my toes because you gossip or your language is horrible or you complain about everything. And James is saying, listen, you want to prove to yourself that you're different? You want to stand out? Speak like a Christian. What did he also say in James 2.12? He said, act like a Christian. Read God's word. Speak like a Christian. Act like a Christian. This is not rocket science here. Notice he doesn't give any steps about getting involved in a church, serving in church. I mean, those are all very important things. But listen, we need you at this church. We want you to get really close to Jesus, not this church. This church can't change your life. I can't change your life. I mean, we are flawed people. We're in a gym right now that just has a bunch of drape around it so it doesn't look like a gym. Church won't do anything for you, but Jesus can change your life. And we're trying to give you simple things that Jesus says to do. Act like a Christian. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. James 1.27, James gave us some actions that, that, we needed to, that we needed to do. He said, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Find people who are hurting and help them. And then try to get all the garbage out of your life. And that will be good enough for God. And it should prove to you that you are on the right track spiritually. So for my son, I've got a 10-year-old son. And, and, you know, I, I lead before I'm a pastor, I'm a husband, and then I'm a dad. And, you know, my, my kids, if I can't lead my kids, I certainly can't lead anyone else spiritually. So I tell my son all the time. And if he's thinking right today and you ask him, he'll tell you these things. If not, um, then he'll need to brush up. I should have told him you might ask and prepped him a little bit before church so he didn't embarrass me. But I tell Christian all the time, there's only three things I want from you. Only three things in life I want from you. I want you to love God, I want you to love your family, and I want you to care for hurting people. 
If you do that in life, I don't care if you get straight A's. If you do that in life, I don't care if you excel at sports or even play sports. If you do that in life, I don't care what kind of job you have or where you work. If you grow up and as a man, you love God, you love your family, and you help hurting people, it's good enough for me. And if, if we read what, what James is saying and if we combine it with what God, what, what Jesus said in, in the great commandment, love your God, the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. We see what James is saying and we're saying this is what a Christian acts like. They love God, they love their family, and man, they care for hurting people. But then James gives us two people. James says, listen, I'm trying to figure out where I am spiritually. James says, here's the two role models that I have spiritually, Rahab and Abraham. And James says, if you really want to know, if you really want to prove to yourself and others that you're really a Christian, he says, get all in. Man, get all in. That's what Abraham and Rahab did. They risked their lives to follow God. And James says, if you, I mean, read your Bible, yes, that's good. Speak like a Christian, yes, that's good. Uh, Act like a Christian, yes, that's good. But then he said, just get all in. Just, why don't you just give God your life and live for Him? And regardless of what that means for you, for Rahab, it might have mean she she was going to die, but she didn't. Because she trusted God. For Abraham, for him, he thought maybe his wife or his, his son was going to die. But they didn't. God took care of them. But they said, God, we're all in. This is no longer a once a week thing for us. We're really going to follow you. Do you know the United States of America is the only place where Christianity has become a hobby? I mean, every place else in the world, it, it's pretty serious. I'm reading a book right now that, that our men's group is getting ready to study called Not a Fan. That was given to me by, by one of the guys in our church. And in there, he, he goes over a chapter and talks about a, a church. I can't remember where the church is. But where when somebody wants to become a Christian, they make them wait 90 days. And they, they basically talk them through how when you become a Christian, you're probably going to get fired. When you become a Christian, your family may disown you. You may get thrown in jail. You may get killed. You know, you may be ostracized. And not until they understand all these things will they let them become a Christian. Can you imagine that here in America? Here we just say, you know, say a prayer. And we hope, if you mean it with all your heart, that the Holy Spirit regenerates you and you, and you start going forward spiritually. America is the only place where Christianity is a hobby. Hey, you going to church Sunday? Yeah, I'm going to church too. Cool. And, and like throughout the rest of the week, you don't even think about anything. It's just another hobby on your schedule. James says you really want to prove your faith? Get all in. Get all in. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. The first step of getting all in is stepping into a relationship with Jesus Christ, becoming a Christian. Maybe you've done that. Maybe all you need to do today is recommit your life because you are a Christian and and there was a time you gave your life to Christ and you feel good about where you used to be spiritually, but you don't, uh, you never read God's word. You don't talk like a Christian. You don't act like a Christian. Nobody even knows you're a Christian. And today your decision is, you know what? I need to get back on board spiritually. I need to recommit my life and do this thing right because you're not doing it right. Maybe today there's only one little area. You love reading God's word. You love God, love your family, you love hurting people. But your language when you're not here is like, it's not good. For me, it used to be golf course. That, that would be the place where, you know, I let nature know how I felt a lot of the time. And then God said, you can't do that. You can't do that. You're a pastor. You can't do that. Maybe for you, it's on your job site. Just a rough tumble crew. You know, that's where you where you don't talk like a Christian. You shouldn't do that. You should work on that. 
Maybe you're a gossip. Maybe the place you gossip is right here at church or at a Bible study. You should work on that. And maybe today you need to take whatever shoe fits you and just wear that one, make that change and move forward. But maybe you're here today and you've never become a Christian. I can't let you leave today without telling you how to do that. The Bible says that God loved you so much he sent his one and only son to come and minister and live and die and raise again so that one day when you leave this life, your life can be regenerated eternally. And that all that needs for that to happen is for you to have a recognition that God is God, you are not. That you need forgiveness for the imperfections in your life that the Bible calls sin. And that you step into a relationship with God and say, God, I'm going to follow you, whatever that means. If you want to do that today, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. I want to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I won't embarrass you. But I am going to ask everyone right now to just bow their heads and close their eyes. Everyone all over the room, if you could. And for those today who want to become a Christian, who have never given their life to God, that's you today. I just want to pray with you. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. And if you began to wonder today, I don't know if I am a Christian, then just pray this prayer. Let's nail it down once and for all. Just pray this prayer. You don't even have to pray it out loud. Just pray it in your heart. Dear God, today I want to become a Christian. Or I want to know for sure that I am a Christian. So I pray that you will forgive me for the things I've done in my life that don't measure up to your perfect perfect standard. And God, that you'll help me to follow you and live for you. Start reading your word. To start speaking like a Christian. To start acting like a Christian. Today, God, I want to be all in. Help me with that. Save me today. Come into my life. Change me forever. With every head bowed and every eye closed, please nobody looking around for the privacy of those around you. If you just prayed that prayer with me, would you just raise your hand up just so that I could know, Christian, today I became a Christian. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Lord. If you are in here today with heads still bowed and eyes still closed and God has hit you with one or more areas, I mean hit you like, like slapped you in the back of the head and said, I need you to hear this like he did with me this week. And you've got an area in your life you've got to get better. Would you slip your hand up so I can pray for you? Nobody's looking, but I, I just want to pray for you. God, I pray for the people in this room. Just raise their hand. Because, God, if it would have been me earlier in the week, like I had two hands lifted up saying, okay, God, you got me. You got me. I'll try to stop doing that. Lord, be with those who just lifted their hands with the specific area you've spoken to them about. Whether that's a, a recommitment to get all in, whether it's just one little area, whether it's maybe two or three. And help us today to realize not everyone who calls themselves really a Christian. And if we want to prove to ourselves that we are, it's time to get it's time to get engaged with you again. Start growing spiritually. Help the people at this church to do that. Because the Lord, the, the world needs less churches and more real Christians. Who when the world says prove it, we can say, Here you go. This is my life. And they see you in us. Help that be the story of our church as we move forward in this community. God, we love you. We ask you to be with us as we get ready to go in a few moments. We ask all these things in Jesus' name and everyone said together. Amen. Just before we go today, ushers, I'm going to ask you to come forward.